Okay, I'm going to talk about something that you're going to do for a third of your life. If you live to be 75 years old, 25 years will be spent doing this. Now think about that. 25 years of your life is going to be spent doing what I'm going to be talking about today. And what I'm talking about is sleep. <laughs> now I... I uh, I my sister called me this morning, uh, and she said, what's your sermon about? Well, first she told me she wasn't going to be here. And uh, <laughs> she said, what are you going to talk about? I said, sleep. She says, how do you talk about sleep? I mean, what, what is there to talk about? Uh, but actually, I think there's a lot to talk about. So the first verse uh, is found in Proverbs 3 and verse 24. Proverbs 3 and verse 24. It says, when you lie down, you shall not be afraid. Thou shalt lie down, and your sleep shall be sweet. Now, I love that. Now, there was a time when my sleep used to be sweet. Uh, <laughs> but over the time, and I, I think that's what inspired this message, is to talk about the subject of sleep, is thou that certain things come into your life that... Uh, sometimes bad things, things you struggle with, and causes one not to be able to get that sweet sleep that you used to. All kinds of things to worry about in today's society. So, uh, ten reasons why good sleep is important. I'll just go through them quickly. Number one, poor sleep is linked to higher body, body weight. Two, Good sleepers tend to eat fewer calories. Three, yeah, absolutely. Good sleep can improve concentration and productivity. Good sleep can maximize athletic performance. Poor sleepers have a greater risk of heart disease and stroke. Sleep affects glucose metabolism and type 2 diabetes risk. Seven, poor sleep is linked to depression. Eight, sleep improves your immune function. Talked a little bit about that earlier, your immunity, your immune system, the importance of that. Okay, if you want to have a strong immune system, sleep. When sleep is sweet, that's what you want to have. Number nine, poor sleep is linked to increased inflammation. And number ten, sleep affects emotions and social interactions. All right, so ten reasons why good sleep is important. So again, this scripture says, when you lie down, you shall not be afraid. You shall lie down and your sleep shall be sweet. So when your sleep is not sweet... What do you, what do you, <laughs> what can you do? Actually, I think it can be a sign of physical and emotional happenings in your body that's going on as far as how healthy you are when you're not sleeping as good. Now, let me ask you a question. It says, uh, you know, you shall not be afraid. If you are afraid, what kind of an effect is that going to have on your sleep? 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> been, been there and done that. <laughs> exactly. So we're going to look at what the Bible says about this subject of sleep, something you're going to do for a third of your life, 25 years of your life, if you live to be 75 years of age. Um, when you lie down, you shall not be afraid. You shall not. You shall lie down and your sleep shall be sweet. If you are afraid, let's ask this question. What are you afraid of? What are you, you know, the list right there could go on and on and on. Could it not? I mean, we could get together and develop a list right now of things that maybe we are afraid of. What happens to me in the future? That's something to be afraid of. Who's going to take care of me? What happens when my mate dies? You know, me and my wife, we were talking about that. We were talking just recently. Why, I don't know. But uh, <laughs> we were talking about if you died or if one of us died, would you get remarried? And uh, Teresa said she didn't think she would. And I said, well, I'm not a people person. I, I just, I'm sort of a hermit type. And it would be, I would dread at this age looking for a mate. I mean, I really would. Uh, uh, I, I suppose if, if it was a person in, as far as remarriage, if it was a person in the church, that might be a sign from God. Same faith, same belief system. Uh, I would have a problem marrying outside of the church because of what you know, friction is going to go on there for me. But um, so what happens, you know, things you're afraid of, what happens when my mate dies? Death. You know, you, you can, you know, I, I don't want someone to find me, you know, in the bed, dead or whatever. Uh, how will those I leave behind survive? I think that's something that we think about and maybe afraid of. Will I ever fulfill my dreams? Is, is something else, you know. I, uh, I do masonry work, but I, I, uh, that's what I do for a living. But I've always had a dream for many years, and it's something I think about quite a bit, uh, all the time. Uh, the dream of being able to at least do what I do as far as, not so much ministry, but evangelistic work, doing it full time. That's a dream I've had for, for 10 or 15 years. And, and as you get older, you realize, okay, the years are clicking off, and I don't know if this is ever going to happen or not. So there, there's things that, you know, uh, will I ever fulfill my dreams? Things that we're afraid of. Our sleep will not, now here's the point I want to make about this first point. Our sleep will not be sweet until we confront what we are afraid of. We have to confront that. We have to deal with that. Go to God on this personal level and say, God, these are the things I'm afraid of. Help me to deal with them. The second scripture is Psalms 4 and verse 8. Psalms 4 and verse 8. What the Bible says about sleep. Something, again, you're going to do a big part of your life, at least a third of your life doing. <clears throat> I will both lay me down in peace and sleep. For thou, Lord, only make me dwell to dwell in safety. Man, that's a powerful commentary. Okay, the opposite of peace and safety might be fear. So uh, instead of having this peace of mind, instead of having, you know, safety, I have fear. Okay, what, what do you fear? What do you fear? What are you fearful of? Again, we could get together and that list 
could be a mile long of things that we are, we are fearful of. Health issues. Absolutely, health issues. You know, you've got something going on in your body. You lie down. What's the first thing that's going to come to your mind, probably? That health issue. All right? Will I ever get better? Will I ever recover? You know, my sister, she wrenched her leg back, and, and they had to remo remove the meniscus in her knee. All right, that's something she had to accept. Um, it, it's not getting back to normal. I mean, she's gotten much better, but, uh, and she's actually doing great, but normal? No. Will I ever recover? Uh, financial things. Can I pay my bills? These are fears that we can have. How, how am I going to manage my finances? And again, the point I'm trying to make here is, with this second point, is that we will never lie down in peace and sleep until we confront what we are fearful of and take that to God. God, these are the things that I fear. And sometimes we can just be almost a zealot about things we fear. You know, we're just too gung-ho about all the things we fear. My, my father used to work a, a black gentleman. He actually had words of wisdom, I tell you he did. His name was Sam, and my, sometimes he would lay out of work, and my father would get on to him, and he would say, Sam, don't it just bother you when, you, when the bill collectors are calling, and, and they're knocking on your door, and they're ringing your bell, and they're just, you know, where's my money at, and, and the banks are calling, and the finance companies are calling. Don't that bother you, Sam, that they don't? And she, he said, no, 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 sir, Mr. Buddy. He called him Mr. Buddy. His first name was Buddy. But he called him, he said, no, sir, Mr. Buddy. I just let them worry about it. And, uh, <laughs> but there's a bit of, now I'm not saying you shouldn't be responsible when it comes to paying your bills. But there is a thing as realizing my worry is not doing me any good. I'm just worrying myself to death over these issues. And it's not benefiting. You know, if what you are doing is not working, try the opposite. That is such simple advice. But if you, if, if, if you know what you're doing is, this thing is destroying, the, destroying me. This thing is worrying me to death. If what you are doing is not working, try the opposite. You know, try, try believing in yourself. If you don't believe in yourself, try believing in yourself. You know, if you're always condemning yourself, try the opposite. Try the opposite. And see if that gets you anywhere. Third scripture is Psalms 127 in verse 1. Psalms 127 in verse 1. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. We're familiar with that verse. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for he gives his beloved sleep. Man, I like that. He give, God gives his beloved sleep. But it sort of tells us something else. Overly, your overly stressed out life that we, that we bring on ourselves, that we bring on this overly stressed out life, getting up early, staying up late, you know, when your mind is too busy to sleep. You ever been there? You know, your mind is still working. Maybe physically your, your body's worn out, but your mind is still working and you can't sleep. You know, you can busy yourself to an early grave, I believe. Busy, 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 busy. 
if you if what you're doing brings you now here's a test if what you're doing doesn't brings you sorrow it's time to reevaluate your life if you're not enjoying the thing that you're, that you're staying up to midnight and you're getting up early and you're working 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 and you're stressing yourself out and you get to a point where you don't even enjoy what you're doing it's time to reevaluate what you're doing and reconsider what you're doing Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Unless God is in this, what you're doing is an act in futility. Unless the Lord build your business, unless the Lord build your ministry, unless the Lord build your marriage, unless the Lord build your life and puts all those pieces together, you know, God has to be in it. You know, it's like, Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. And all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. You know, he broke all the... That, that's a poem by Mother Goose, whoever Mother Goose is. But, <laughs> but what my point is, God can put the pieces of your broken life back together. God can. If we have not given God... If, if, if we have not given everything to God, business, ministry, marriage, life, yes, and our fears and our worries and our anxieties, that too must be given to God. If we don't do this, we will never have the sleep that we desire in life. When your sleep is sweet and God gives his beloved sleep, Next one is Ecclesiastes 5 and verse 12. <clears throat> Ecclesiastes 5 and verse 12. The sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether he eats much, eats little or much, but the abundance of the rich will not suffer him to sleep. You know, that, this is good advice if you are having trouble in this area. It's just, you know, physical labor. You know, I can guarantee you, you get out there and split wood all day or use a chainsaw all day or whatever, lay rocks all day, uh, you're going to be physically worn out. Here's the thing I've found, though. It's nearly impossible to wear this thing out right here. <laughs> it just like it just keeps going and keeps throwing stuff, stuff up. Your mind can be one of your worst enemies, if you allow it. The way you think. You know, how many have a, someone, the word disease if you break it down, it means dis-ease. A, a mind, a life that is at dis-ease. You're dis-eased with yourself. I mean, I, I don't know how to explain that. But I think you know what, what, what I'm talking about. You're at dis-ease. It's how we can live our, our, our lives. Now, I want to touch on this. And this may be a bit disturbing, but I think it's real. Where is that scripture in Ecclesiastes? Ecclesiastes 5 and verse 12. Ecclesiastes 5 and verse 12. The sleep of a laboring man is sweet. Um, something that I have sometimes struggled with. It's, it's what I call the condemning spirit. Often it kicks in at nighttime sometimes. Um, someone said your mind is like a closet never cleaned out. And that 
your mind at night, and I think this is a real thing, gets busy sorting out what all the events that has happened during the day to you. And it says, okay, this happened. And it can be moral issues. It can be certain issues that have happened. And so your mind gets busy and say, okay, this, this belongs here in this file. This over here that's happened belongs in this file over here. And sometimes your mind will bring up past stuff, like maybe past sins. And it will say, no, this belongs in the file of forgiveness. You've been forgiven of that. Okay. But it sorts this stuff out uh, every, every night. But something, uh, your mind can overanalyze and evaluate everything. And I think too much of that, of just tearing, tearing one down, I, I, it can open the door to an evil, you know, the, the spirit world. It can, if you're always condemning, and, and we need to have, we need to know the difference when, when, when we're under attack in these areas, especially at nighttime, praying for protection, that God would put a hedge of protection around your house, around your bed, around your mind, is critical. Um, to rebuke anything that is made, fear. You're lying in bed and all of a sudden fear comes over you. Rebuke that. You have the power to rebuke that. <laughs> uh, condemnation. You have the power, you know, often self-condemnation. At the year, at the feast this year, I had this struggle with this. I was going over my sermon that I was, that I was going to give the next day, and I thought, this thing only lasts 20 minutes, which is actually a good thing. Uh, <laughs> i tell you what a bad thing is, a very long sermon, that's, that's a bad thing. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, and I just started beating myself up. I thought, this is not going to last long enough, and, and, then, and then it goes into another mode of self-condemnation. I thought, man, I got, you know, it, it was really a spiritual assault in that area. You need to identify that when you, when you see that in your life and rebuke any kind of, that kind of condemnation. Uh, sickness, you know, uh, you're sick. You'll never get better. Rebuke that. Confusion. War with self. Uh, uh, unforgivable, you know, I'm, I'm, un, I'm unforgivable. You can rebuke that. Lack of discernment. Whatever going on, you can... If those things hit you at night, you have the ability, in the name of Jesus Christ, to rebuke those kinds of spirit. Spirit of lust. You have the power to rebuke that. These areas in your life. And sometimes, for some, some strange reason, they can come upon us uh, at nighttime. And you have the ability to rebuke that. Now, something that has helped me is 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 16. This is something that when I have an episode like this, I uh, have remembered this scripture, 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 16, because it's the opposite of everything I just mentioned. It says, rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. Notice this. Is this real? In everything give thanks? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And why do we do this? In order that you quench not the spirit. Don't quench the spirit. How do you not quench the spirit? Okay. Rejoice in everything. Pray without ceasing. And everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So I wanted to, you know, just go over this 
And uh, I want to conclude with a, one of my favorite scriptures in the gospel under the headline, Jesus Calms a Storm. One of my favorite little stories in the Bible, we're going to read it. It's in Mark 4 and verse 35. Mark 4 and verse 35. Jesus calms a storm. Mark 4 and verse 35. In the same day when even was come, he said to them, let us pass over to the other side. And when they had sent the multitude away, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. Now, I love that imagery. Where is Jesus? In the middle of a storm? <laughs> in the bow of the ship, on a pillow, asleep. Man, you can't beat that. I mean, that, that's when your, your sleep is sweet, and it doesn't matter what's going on on the outside. There's a storm. The, the boat is tossing back and forth. The storms of life. He's asleep. <laughs> okay. Uh, and they say to him, you know, they wake him up. They're fearful. They're scared half to death. Anxiety, frustration. We're going to die. Self-condemnation. <laughs> no, we're, we're going to die. Master, cares not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? So I want you to do something when you go to bed tonight or any night. I want you to disassociate from everything that you're worried about. Your fears, what you're afraid of, what you're worried about, your anxieties. Imagine getting on this boat with Jesus. And you toss all of that stuff out in the ocean. Your fears, your worries, your anxiety, you just toss. That's where it's all raging anyway. You just toss it out there in the ocean. And you get your little pillow, maybe next to Jesus, and you, you lie down. And you hear him say, why are you fearful? Well, how is it that you have no faith? And then you hear him say, Peace, be still. Be calm. Trust me for everything.